Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning. Good to be in God's house with God's people. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. My name is Rick Thompson, one of the pastors here, one of the teacher pastors here. We're in a series that we started this year that we haven't titled, if you haven't figured it out yet, Level Up. Someone say Level Up. And if you are wondering what it means, again, it means to enable a player or character to go up to a higher level, gaining more skills and strength. And so God, we believe, is calling us to go to a higher level, focusing on the fact that there are several areas in the Bible that he wants us, he wants us and even expects us to level up. Now, that's besides the the general areas that people will do at the beginning of the year when they make their New Year's resolutions, i.e., careers and weight and health, and all these are not bad things to focus on. I I encourage it, although I will say that usually by the end of February, all these resolutions are gone bye-bye. But this is what the Bible says concerning your health and stuff like that. All I'm saying is don't stop there. It says in 1 Timothy 4, 8, for physical training is of some value. Someone say some value. But godliness has value, help me out somebody, for all things, for all things, holding promise for both this, for the present life and the life to come. In other words, it says it will benefit you, godliness will benefit you in this life, and it will will benefit you in the life to come. Now, 1 Timothy, the New Living puts it this way, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Because it doesn't just focus on this life, it focuses on the life to come, promising benefits in the life, this life and the life to come. So folks, we're supposed to learn, well, we learned last week that there's some practical and spiritual areas that we should level up in, especially as we see the time approaching. Now, what time am I referring to? Well, it's the time that that the Hebrew writer referred to in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, He says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How many know that Jesus is coming? Come on, somebody. And we're closer than we've ever been. Now, one translation says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And making things a habit is the key to the success or failure in a lot of areas. If you want to succeed in certain areas, the way you make it a habit is you do it for at least 21 days. Uh, keep focusing on reading your Bible, whether it's praying, whether it's, whether it's working out. They say do it for at least 21 days in a row, and, and, and it becomes instilled in your brain and in your, in your, ha- in your body as a habit. Uh, uh, unfortunately, when concerning our subject this morning, it's been more than 21 days of, of, of forming a, a, what I call a bad habit. It's been close to two years that some people have been out of attendance in church. Come on, somebody. Two years, whether, whether they've just not even showed up in a church. And so they've formed a habit, and it's a, a, a bad habit. 
unless you're sick or you're, or, or you're taking care of the sick person or, or, or you live out of state, if you are one of those who, you know, you just stop going to church, you have formed a bad habit. And in the long run, it's going to hurt you. Now, last week we talked about um, magnification or, or worship. And, we, and we, we learned that we were planned for God's pleasure. If you want to know why you've been put on this planet, you were put here, you were planned for God's pleasure. To live out our lives is a living sacrifice and worship and magnification of the Father. About worship, we stated that true worshipers reflect a heart and a life that seeks to please God, not just in some areas, like on Sundays or Wednesdays, but in every area of their lives. And now that doesn't mean that you're always going to get it right, but your heart is to get it right before the Lord. Can I get an amen on that? And you're trusting fully in the grace of God. It's not about works. It's about his grace. And it was Jesus who said that there's a time is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He says, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father is looking for. God is looking for a certain type of worshipers. And so he said they're true worshipers. And if he says they're true worshipers, that would also mean that there are false ones. There are people who think they're worshiping God, but they're not really fulfilling it. We talked about that last week. We call it strange fire. And so this area of magnification is a major area where God wants us to level up. In fact, that area that we talked about last week will affect every other area that we're going to be talking about moving forward. It's foundational. And so we're going to move to the next one today. It's foundational truth. And I want you to write this down. We were formed... We were formed for God's family. We were formed for God's family. If you're looking for a reason why you're here on this planet, you and I were formed for God's family. Now, the word that we're using is membership, to become a part of his family or fellowship. The Greek word that the Bible uses is koinonia, koinonia, which means to be a sharer, a companion, one who is a partaker or a participant in communion. And so right away we can, we can start to see that true fellowship like worship means more than just what meets the eyes, more than just having a potluck dinner or, or ice cream social. It's more than attending a, a church picnic or a bowling night. And those things are fine because we plan them and we plan stuff like that to promote fellowship but there's more to it than just those things. In fact, there's more to fellowship or koinonia than just showing up on Sundays. And the, and the greeting time, the small greeting time at the end of the service. Uh, we'll keep doing those things, but it's more to it than that. It, 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 uh, it, the standard is, is, is higher than that. The standard for koinonia that's needed is higher than that. And God wants us to level up in all these areas at a greater fashion especially in this area of fellowship. But before we go any further, let's answer the question. Is fellowship necessary? What do you think? Yes, yes. yes it is. Yes, it is. Some people view it, their role uh, as it relates to the church is not needed or unnecessary and even inconvenient. And this is not new. Let's read that same verse in the New Century Version, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, let us think about each other and help each other to show love and to do good deeds. You should not stay away from the church meetings. Let me say that again. 
You should not stay away from church meetings, as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more as you see the day coming. Again, what's the day coming referring to? The coming of the Lord. And the emphasis in this passage is on together. Because in fact, listen to me this morning, we are better together. Amen? And we know that, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again, none of us are as smart as all of us. Amen? None of us are as strong as all of us. I remember when I was in the hospitals as a psychiatric nurse, and one of the things that I did, I was an aggression management trainer to, to help to train the people when people got out of control, how to take them down safely and, effective, and effectively so that no one would get hurt. Well, they had a thing that they would call when there was an emergency on a particular unit, they called it Dr. Strong. Dr. Strong, Dr. Strong, and then they'll say the unit, AP1, AP2, uh, uh, um, the CD unit, whatever. That meant somebody had lost control, and they need as many people over there as possible to help control the situation. Well, this one particular day I went over there, uh, we heard Dr. Strong, Dr. Strong, and I dropped what I was doing, and I ran over to that unit, and there was a guy who was actually in the front of the house, who was just admitted, he was having difficulty, and he did not want to be there. But he had to be there because he was not having a great time, okay? And he turned around and he, he said, you know what? I've got a black belt. If anybody puts a hand on me, I'm going to, he said, do this and this and this. Well, I had four guys with me, and by the time he came, he, the words came out of his mouth, Dr. Strong went into effect, and we were on him, and he was safely subdued. <laughs> now, all that karate stuff, I, I see it working in the movies, but it doesn't really work in real life when you've got four people on one person. Come on, somebody. I'm just telling you. <laughs> all right? That's why I don't understand the police brutality and all this other nonsense. But when you've got the numbers... You've got the strength. We are stronger together. None of us are as resourceful as, uh, as all of us. None of us are as productive as all of us. And none of us can reach more than all of us. I am just one person. And come on, somebody. Our, our, our church has more than one person in it. All of us have the ability to reach more than just one person. Amen? And so we're better together. And we need each other. Now, they say that over the last two years, that depression and the suicide rate is increasing exponentially. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Come on, somebody. So, someone say isolation. I, I heard a doctor recently say this week, so she said loneliness is more lethal than smoking and obesity. Loneliness is more lethal than smoking and obesity. Human beings were not designed to live in isolation. It can literally drive some people when When they put them in isolation in, in camps or in, in the prison system, how many know some people just go crazy? They, they cannot take it. Babies, if they are left alone without being nurtured, they, they grow up not right. We were not designed to be in isolation. 
And when we choose to separate ourselves, as some are in the, what the Bible says, in the habit of doing, you also separate yourself from encouragement from one another, the, 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 the love and support that we all need to survive and to thrive. Now, many of us have started fires in the past, haven't we? My, my, we, we got my, my grandkids, uh, of, uh, uh, my family, my, my daughter, a fire pit, and my grandkids love it. But when it comes time to put out the fire, besides using just water, what's one way you can put out that fire? You take those embers and you do what? You spread them out. Now, why does that do that? Why does that put out the fire? Because when, when you take a coal or amber and you separate it from the rest of the group, it cannot stay lit. It cannot stay on fire. And just in the same way it grows cold and it goes out in the same way, we were not designed by God to burn by ourselves. In fact, when we separate ourselves, how many know you start to burn out? How many are experiencing burnout? Come on, somebody. There's so much of the body of Christ that, that are experiencing burnout. That, that they are losing their first love that the Bible talks about. And part of that is because of this prolonged separation from each other. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that apart from the church, none of us will grow into the men or women of God that he intends us to be. That's why the devil is trying so hard to shut the church down, if, if you really must know. The enemy is using this situation, this circumstance, to shut it down because he knows that our purpose is tied in with the church. And so if he can get you separated out, he can get you separated out from your, from your purpose as well. You were formed for a family. Not only do we need encouragement and love and support to, to, to thrive, we need three other things. I want you to write this down. We need accountability. My Bible says iron sharpens iron. You need someone to reflect things off of. Uh, if we don't, the Bible says we, you know, we're all right in our own eyes. <laughs> we, we all declare ourselves righteous in our own eyes. And so sometimes you need someone to bounce things off of to say, no, no. <laughs> That's not quite right. That's not, that may be your thinking, but it's thinking, thinking. Come on, somebody. We need patience with one another, and we need discipline. We need accountability, we need patience, and we need discipline. And that all works out in the context of being in a relationship with other people, people that are close to you. In fact, Three things fundamentally change when you and I become Christians. Anyone in here not ashamed to say they're Christians? Come on, say it out loud. You're born again. Say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Three things fundamentally change the moment you became a Christian, and all of them affects our relationships. Number one, Jesus became our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. He's all of our saviors. That's the equal. All around the world, Jesus is our Savior. Number two, God became our father. God became our father. And the third thing that changed 
is that the church became our family. Come on, somebody. I don't care what, what your ethnic background is. I don't care what side of the track you were born on. If God is your father, then you are my brothers and you are my sisters. Amen? And it's in the context of a family that God chooses to teach us how to love and to treat each other, to teach us accountability and, dis- and discipline and patience. And as you know, sometimes in, in your family, you have people who get on your last nerve. But are they still your family? Sometimes you got a weird Uncle Joe in the bunch who says the dumbest things. Or, 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 or Aunt Karen who, who, who comes out with strangest things about you or what, whatever you're wearing. And we all got them. And if you don't know who they are in your family, maybe it's you. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is their blood is still running through your veins. Come on, somebody. And even moms and dads and brothers and sisters, they fight sometimes, but a, but a healthy family will figure out a way to work it out without breaking fellowship. And so koinonia can only be worked out in the context of God-loving relationships. I want you to hear what the Bible says concerning our relationship to one another. It says in 1 Peter 4, 8, it says, Above all, above all, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Come on, somebody. Anyone in here or listening online never sinned? Don't, don't raise your hand. And so we need this kind of love in our lives. Amen? Amen. We've all blown it in, in some form or fashion. We, we've all fallen short in some area. And my Bible says, and your Bible says, that love covers a multitude of sins. Proverbs 17, 9 says, He who covers, covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Again, that's not saying let's... Everybody turn a blind eye to sin or the wrongdoing. That's saying that, that we're better together. And as, as we get closer to one another, you're going to start to notice people's strengths. And you'll start to notice their weaknesses. As you get close to someone, they, they may look like they got it all going on from a distance. But when you get closer to them, you'll start to see the cracks in the armor. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You start to see the, 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 the frailties and, and the shortcomings. And it's in those moments that you're given an opportunity to become more like Christ. How? By the way you extend unconditional love to that person who desperately needs it to grow. That's your opportunity to show love that covers a multitude of sin. Because in those moments you can either pray for them and encourage them or even lovingly redirect them Bro, sis, what you're doing is not right, but I still love you. Or you can take off the grace gloves and start throwing body blows of criticism and judgment and withholding love because because you smell the blood in the water. I hate being around people like that who are constantly pointing out their faults as if they have none. That's not God's way. In fact, if you want to know what God's heart is, 
toward people. Listen to what God said through the prophet Ezekiel concerning his own people. Now, this was spoken in the context of a judgment toward them for not responding to the love and kindness of our Heavenly Father. Nevertheless, it shows the heart of God toward his people. It says, on that day, on that day you were born, your cord was not cut. You were not washed with water to clean you. You were not rubbed with salt or wrapped in clothes, cloths. No one felt sorry enough for you to do any of these things for you. No, you were thrown out into the open field because you were hated on the day you were born. What is it describing? What is it describing? It's describing a baby who's been tossed aside. I was listening to the news this week, and I came across that story. They found a baby in an airplane. Matter of fact, listen, you have that picture? It says, a newborn baby was found abandoned in the bathroom of an air, air Meredith plane after a woman allegedly gave birth mid-flight and dumped the boy in the bin. The bin is the garbage. Authorities at, authorities at the international airport found the newborn during a routine customs check, according to the BBC. A 20-year-old woman has been arrested, the outlet said. The woman initially denied she was the mother of the baby who was discovered when the New Year's Day flight landed in the Mauritian capital of Port Louis after a flight from Madagascar. Happy New Year to that baby. Mother tossed in a bin. That's the image that we see in this scripture. That's the image of Israel that the Bible wants us to see. That he says you were tossed aside like so much garbage. Now watch this. This is what he said. When I passed by and I saw you kicking about in your blood, I said to you, live. And I made you grow like a plant in the field and you grew up and you became tall and became like a beautiful jewel. Your breast formed and your hair grew, but you were naked and without clothes. And later when I passed by you and, you and looked at you, I saw that you were old enough for love so I spread my robe over you and covered your nakedness. I also made a promise to you and entered into an agreement with you so that you became mine, says the Lord. He's describing, he says, it's a beautiful picture of the nation of Israel and God the Father and how he treated them even though they were cast aside and how he covered them. But it also reflects a picture of God and his church and the condition we were in spiritually prior to becoming a part of the family. We were dead in our trespasses and our sin. We were tossed aside like an unwanted newborn babe, unwanted and cared for, and then God came along and he said to us, live! And through Christ he spreads his robe of righteousness over us and he covered our spiritual nakedness. And he calls us his very own. Not because we came in clean and perfect and strong, because we were none of those. We were vulnerable. We were, we were in trouble. He did it because of his grace and his love toward us. And he created conditions for us to thrive and to grow. He made us part of his family. And then he says to his family, to his church, be a reflection of who I am. Come on, somebody. 
Turn to someone and say, we need each other. Come on, somebody, say it. We need each other. And so, and, and so membership, or koinonia, or fellowship means to belong, to be a part of something. And it's necessary for personal and spiritual growth for both you and others. And it's also connected, it's also connected to the numerical growth of the church. This is what this says in, the, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and made wonders, and many wonders and and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and their goods and gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord, watch this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now listen to me just for a moment. When true fellowship, when true fellowship takes place, and we start to level up in this area of koinonia, uh, of membership, of belonging, of applying unconditional love toward one another and encouraging one another and sharing with one another and work, walking and working together in unity. When that takes root in, in church, when that starts to happen again in this place, considering the enemy has been trying to shut us down and trying to shut the church down abroad, when that starts to happen again, Listen to me. We'll have to start making arrangements for bigger buildings. Come on, somebody. Because they'll see, they'll see, the world will see that, 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 and say, wow, the, the Spirit of the Lord is in that place at LWCC. They'll sense it in this place. John 13, 35, the message says this. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples. When they see the love you have for each other. My question to you and to those who are listening online is how can they see the love you have for one another if you're not here? Come on, somebody. If the habit you have formed for the last two years is anything but fellowship in the church. It's getting quiet in here. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandments were, he didn't bat an eye. He put it out immediately. He said, the greatest commandments are this. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds. That's magnification. That's the true worship that the Father is looking for. And then he said the second is like the first. He said the second is equivalent to the first. He says, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love the people that God sent his son to die for. How do we become a part of God's fellowship? How do you become a member of his family? How do you become a part of his church? It starts with 
relationship with Jesus. It, we get to that place where we admit that God had a, has to have first place in our lives, but he hasn't over the last few years. We got to admit that we need him, that we are sinners, and that we need a Savior. The Bible says if I confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to beat us over the heads. No. What does it say? He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. And then we got to get to a place where we believe that Jesus died for those sins. If we confess that Jesus is our Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. And then we acknowledge and accept God's free gift of salvation. It's for by grace you've been saved through faith and this not of yourself. The Bible says it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And then you take that last step and you invite Jesus to come into your life and to take control. John 1, 12 says, to all who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. All we need to do is to trust him to save us. All those who believe this are reborn. Not a physical rebirth, but from the will of God the Father. God is looking to bring us all into relationship with him. He talks about a banquet feast in heaven where he wants as many people at that table as possible. He, and the spirit of the Lord says, come. His word says, come. Jesus says, come. Become a part of the family of God. You were formed for a family. And if you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, it would be my privilege and my honor just to lead you, those who are watching online, in a simple prayer of committing to him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and pray him. And then I'll have some things to say after. And so don't tune out. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you, and I admit that I am a sinner, and I need a Savior, and Jesus is my Savior. I believe he came, he, de he, 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 he lived a sinless life, died a, a, a cruel death on the cross, and rose from the dead for me, and I accept this free gift that God has for me. I invite Jesus to come into my life, to come into my heart, to take control of my life. From this day forward, I surrender my life to him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, on the authority of God's word, if you've made that commitment and you meant it your life has passed from death to life you are now born again in this kingdom and that's the first step that's membership into his family and let me encourage you don't stop there you accept Jesus Christ as your savior and your lord 
But don't stop there. If you've not yet been baptized, we've got a baptism class coming up. And Jesus called all of his disciples, all of his followers, that if you're not ashamed of me, he says, to follow me in believers' baptisms. That means you, you are acknowledging before the world that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And then we have a backstage pass in which we invite you all to come see the vision of the church and come join the fellowship. You were formed for a family. Don't get in the habit of, of, so, of, of, so, of so many have done neglecting the fellowship of the body of Christ. Make a commitment this year in spite of all that's going on to level up in this area and say I, I belong to a family and I'm going to continue to meet with that family as God gives me the strength and the grace to do that. Does that make sense? Amen and amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.